invite you to turn your Bibles to Luke chapter 1. As we did a little bit last week, we're going to be on a little bit of a tour through the Old Testament as well. So if you'd like to use your Bible to find them or just write them down on, uh, on the paper and the bulletin there, you can look at them later. I promise you that they're all there. Luke 1, in, beginning in verse 67, this is... Um, Zechariah's song, or Zechariah's prophecy, it's sometimes called the Benedictus. Um, we looked at this several times before, and really we're going to just focus on one little piece of it, but we're going to read the whole thing to get the sense of it. So I'll begin in verse number 67, and read through verse 79. And his father Zechariah was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied, saying, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for He has redeemed and visited and redeemed His people, and has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of His servant David, as He spoke by the mouth of His holy prophets from of old, that we should be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us, to show the mercy promised to our fathers and to remember His holy covenant, the oath that He swore to our father Abraham, to grant us that we being delivered from the hand of our enemies might serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all our days. And you, child, will be called the prophet of the Most High. For you will go before the Lord to prepare his ways, to give knowledge of salvation to his people in the forgiveness of their sins because of the tender mercy of our God, whereby the sunrise shall visit us from on high to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the way of peace. As I said last week, Christmas tends to stir up a lot of feelings for people. It's a sentimental time of year. So this month, we're looking at different emotions of Christmas or at Christmas time. We're asking the question, what are the proper emotions to have at Christmas? Or the proper feelings to have about Christmas? How should we feel when Christmas rolls around? And more importantly, what does the Bible say about this? Because the Christmas story is an objective truth that is meant to produce in us emotional responses. Now remember last week that I said we're not supposed to simply have these feelings at Christmas, but rather all the time because of the Christmas season. And of course we look to the Spirit of God as we uncover these emotions and we, and we ask Him to produce these responses in us as we hear His Word. Last week we looked at the emotion of anticipation. How should we be waiting for the coming Christ? How should we feel about His coming? I said last Sunday that Christmas should cause us to remember how the people of God waited for Messiah's first coming, and that uh, helps us to anticipate His second coming. The promise of the Messiah should cause us to eagerly await His future and His final advent. 
This morning I want to consider another emotion, and one that I believe that many people struggle with. Among the many sentiments and feelings that bombard our hearts and our minds at Christmas time, I think fear is one of the top. Did you know that there's an actual fear of Christmas? I'm going to give you a, it's not a $4 word, it's like an $8 word. There's a real phobia called Christogeniaticophobia. Use that in Scrabble next time, you get a lot of points. It's a fear of Christmas. And it stems from past dangers or trauma or experiences that people carry over into the present. So something horrible happened previously at Christmas time and it just triggers into a fear of the present day Christmas. Now think about that for a moment because if you've never heard of that, and I'd never heard of that word before and that even that condition uh, until this week as I was doing some, some research and I thought, oh, that's kind of strange. Nobody's afraid of Christmas. But it's true. If you think about it, Christmas time means typically family time. And for the many people that experience loneliness all year long, it can then get amped up at Christmas time. Then for other people, loneliness isn't their problem, it's being with their family. And I'm not, I'm not I'm being, being uh, joking about that. They're spending an extended time around certain family members is uncomfortable or even downright dangerous. There are a lot of reasons why people would have negative feelings at Christmas or even about Christmas. In 1971, John Lennon, Yoko Ono, released the song, Happy Christmas. Some of you have heard it, you hate it on the radio. You might know it as, And So This Is Christmas, or War Is Over. Came in part as protest to the Vietnam War, but Lennon has also said that he wrote it because, quote, I was sick of white Christmas. And in the chorus, they sing the line, A very merry Christmas and a happy new year. Let's hope it's a good one without any fear. I wondered, I was actually playing while I was writing the sermon this week and put it in there because it came right at this time. And I thought, why do you have to write that last part? Why bother worrying or thinking about fear at Christmas time? As many of you can attest that the 70s weren't exactly marked by peace and tranquility, but I think that it's not just limited to that particular time in history. Certainly that was what was on Lennon's mind when he wrote the song, but I think many of us could have the same sentiment. We hope that Christmas is a good one. We hope and desire that New Year will come without any fear. This isn't the reality for so many of us, is it? Fear has this way of inserting itself into every part of our lives. It's that unwelcome Christmas guest. Shows up uninvited, makes himself at home, and is still there even though the holiday is gone. For many people, fear has become somewhat of a permanent resident in their life. Of course, it's not the feeling that we want, but it's what we have. It's there. What's going to happen? I can't control this thing. It's out of my hands. What's going to be in the future? Is everything going to work out or 
not. Have you ever considered how fear is a part of the Christmas story? It's mentioned actually a big theme throughout the Christmas story. I want to show you. So if you look in your Bibles, I'll show you the different pieces of it. When Luke begins his account of Christmas, he doesn't start in Bethlehem. He backs way up. He goes outside of Bethlehem and he goes beyond a year. About a year before the birth of Christ, Zechariah the priest was visited by an angel. This is in Luke chapter 1, in verse 12. Zechariah was in the temple performing his duties, and an angel appears to him. In verse 12, Zechariah was troubled when he saw him, and fear fell upon him. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayer has been heard, and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you shall call his name John. And you will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth. Usually, when an angel visits, it produces fear in people. But the angel's message to Zechariah this day was, don't be afraid. Why? Because your prayers have been heard. Because you and your wife are going to have a baby. This son is going to announce the long-awaited Messiah. Now, if you know the story, John, who was not yet the Baptist, was the forerunner of Messiah, and he was the one who did prepare the way for Jesus to come. So, Zechariah, don't be afraid, be glad, and many will rejoice with you. Nine months later, baby John is born, and Papa Zechariah had been a mute for the past nine months because he didn't believe the first promise. And finally, the angel, uh, I'm sorry, his mouth is open, and Zechariah is finally able to speak when John's name is announced. And with the first words in the last nine months, Luke 165 talks about what Zechariah said. In fact, it's the words that we just wrote, uh, read uh, in a few moments ago. And Luke 165 tells us that when this happened, fear came on all their neighbors, all the people who were there at the birthday party for John, are now afraid because of what they'd seen and heard about this baby boy. Meanwhile, in Nazareth, another couple is experiencing fear leading up to Christmas. When the angel visited Mary in Luke 1.28, he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High. Joseph, who was engaged to Mary, was trying to decide to do, and he finds out that Mary's pregnant. Because legally they were married, but they had not yet come together as man and wife. And so Joseph knew the baby wasn't his, and he assumed that Mary had been unfaithful. And he was deciding to quietly divorce her. But an angel visits him in Matthew 1.20 and says, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife. For that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She'll bear a son, and you'll call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. There it is again. Do not fear. Don't be afraid of what is happening to you, Mary. Don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife, Joseph. Why? Because this child is from the Holy Spirit. Because this child is from God. And He will be born to save His people. 
Finally, we skip into chapter 2, ahead of our text, before we come back to it, and we find shepherds out in the field watching over their sheep through the night. And verse number 9 says that an angel of the Lord appeared to them, the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. The angel said to them, fear not. I know, I hope you're catching on. People who are filled with trouble and great fear are told, to fear not. Now here, the shepherds have no need to fear because the angel says, I've come with good news of great joy that will be for all the people. A Savior has been born in Bethlehem and He is the Messiah. He is Christ, the Lord. So don't be afraid. Go find Him. He's lying in a manger. Now if you look back in our text in Luke 1, and I want to focus on verse Uh, 68, and and, and make my way to verse 74. Because notice what Zechariah is doing. He is, in his song, recognizing what God is doing. He sees God is acting on His promises. Verse 68, he says that God has visited and redeemed His people and raised up a horn of salvation. Verse 71 tells us why that we should be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us. God was fulfilling His promise to Israel in sending a Savior so that, in verse 74, we being delivered from the hand of our enemies might serve Him without fear in holiness and righteousness before Him all our days. By sending a Savior to His people, God would save them from His enemies and free them to serve Him without fear. In 1868, after he spent a Christmas in the land of Israel, Philip Brooks wrote a poem. You probably know it. O little town of Bethlehem, how still we see thee lie. Above thy deep and dreamless sleep the silent stars go by. Yet in thy dark street shineth the everlasting light The hopes and fears of all the years are met in thee tonight. I've been thinking a lot about what Brooks meant when he wrote that last line. What are the hopes and fears of all the years? There certainly has been a lot of both leading up to this night in Bethlehem, as we've seen attested in Luke and throughout the Old Testament. And it suggests that these two emotions have been around for quite some time. Also thinking about what Zechariah was, was thinking of in Luke 1, verse 74. Because God was filling His promise, they would now be able to serve Him without fear. It caused me to wonder what Israel's specific hopes and fears might be. Of course, there was an expectant hope in Messiah that He would come and restore all things, bring peace to the land and freedom to the people. They had been waiting on this for centuries. Generation after generation lived and died never seeing the Messiah. And I wonder if their fears of all their years included questions like, is it ever going to happen? Is Messiah ever going to come? What if He doesn't come for a long time? What if He doesn't come before I'm gone? What's going to happen to us while we wait? If He doesn't come now, What's going to happen to us right now? 
Though the people of Israel had the promise of the Messiah and they were waiting for him to come, those long years must have been very difficult. While they waited, Israel had been conquered and oppressed and crushed by several foreign powers. Rome was only the latest to rule and occupy them. For years, Israel existed under the cruel yoke of bondage by foreign rulers and generals. So fear was a familiar feeling. It was a daily part of life. Before they met in Bethlehem, Israel's hopes and fears had really been building for 4,000 years. It's a lot of hope, a lot of fears. Fear was the first, one of the first responses of the man and the woman in the garden. When they sinned, when they ate the fruit that was forbidden, Genesis 3.10, Adam told God, I heard the sound of you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. They were ashamed of their nakedness and afraid of their Creator. Surely this wasn't the first time God had met with them in the garden, but it was the first time they responded with fear by hiding from Him instead of joyfully and freely coming to Him. God knew what they had done. And when He found them, He did not overlook their sin, did He? There was reason to fear because God said, in the day you eat of the fruit, you will surely die. God also offered hope on that day. One would come to crush the serpent's head. And in the meantime, He clothed them with animal skins. Picturing the sacrificial Lamb of God who would come one day and clothe all of His people and cover their shame and nakedness. Fast forward to the book of Exodus and the nation of Israel is gathered at Mount Sinai. And God has come down to meet with His people on the mount and give them His law. But when Israel heard the thunder and saw the lightning and the fire and the smoke, it says they were afraid and trembled and they stood far off and said to Moses, you speak to us and we will listen, but do not let God speak to us lest we die. Israel was terrified by the awesomeness of God. And Moses became an intermediary between the people and God. And his message was the same as the angels at night in Bethlehem. Do not be afraid. Exodus 20.20, Moses says, Do not fear, for God has come to test you that the fear of Him may be before you that you may not sin. So there was plenty of fear. And it was mixed with plenty of hope because God was with them and God would bless them and He would speak His Word to them through Moses. Then for centuries, the prophets from then on told Israel, warned them about a coming day of the Lord. Constantly talking about this day of the Lord. And usually it's described is a day of judgment and a day of darkness and a day of destruction. And yet Israel believed that by this, God would deliver them from their enemies. Isaiah 13.9 says, Behold, the day of the Lord comes, cruel with wrath and fierce anger, to make the land a desolation and to destroy its sinners from it. Ezekiel 30 verse 3 calls it a, day of, a time of doom 
for the nations. In Amos 5, verse number 18, God says, Woe to you who desire the day of the Lord. Why would you have the day of the Lord? It is darkness and not light. As if a man fled from a lion and a bear met him, or went into the house and leaned his hand against the wall and a serpent bit him. Is not the day of the Lord darkness and not light and gloom with no brightness in it? Israel was hoping that the day of the Lord would be when God would come and destroy their enemies. Yet there was warning that it was going to be a terrible day of destruction. Not just for the Gentiles, but for sinners. Even those in Israel. What does all this have to do with Christmas? Christmas came to prepare us for the day of judgment. Christmas happened to prepare God's people for His coming. Jesus came to save His people from their sins. Christmas is the fulfillment of the hopes of all the years. And it brings the promise that we can be set free so that we, being delivered from the hand of our enemies, might serve Him with fear, without fear. Now, Judgment Day is still coming. And it will be severe. But Christmas prepares us for it. Because of Christmas, specifically because of Jesus, we can see the day of the Lord as the glorious appearing of Christ. It is a day of both hope and fear. When Jesus comes to judge and make war on His enemies, but also when the groom comes for His bride, the church. Because of Christmas, because of Jesus, we don't fear that day. We long for it. We eagerly anticipate it. And yet, for Christ's enemies, for those who resist Him, those who reject Him, that day will mean judgment and destruction. So while we long for that day, and we pray, even so, come Lord Jesus, we plead with sinners to turn to Christ and find in Him hope and forgiveness of sins, so that they too may be saved on the day of judgment. But because of Jesus, because of Christmas, we have hope. We have hope that on the last day, we will be saved. We have hope for every day until the last day. And the Christian hope is not just a strong wish like Lenin was talking about. It's a confident expectation. We have a hope. It's an anchor of the soul, Hebrews says. Because of Jesus, we don't have to be afraid. Hopes and fears of all the years met in Bethlehem that night. Yes, there will be struggles ahead. There will be hard times coming in the new year for us. Maybe suffering and loss for some of us. Next year might not be a good one. Nevertheless, God is our refuge and strength. A very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear. Though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling. For the Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress.
He has graciously come to us in the person of Jesus Christ to prepare us for the last day and to give us his spirit and be with us always to the end of the age. So, whatever keeps you up at night or whatever fears cause you to worry about things that are out of your control, or things that, uh, that, that make us afraid because we're, we're worried about how things are going to turn out, or we're afraid that what happened in the past might happen again, all logical fears because of Christmas, because of Jesus. We can be set free from our sin so that we may serve Him without fear in holiness and righteousness all our days. The angel came to Zechariah and to Mary, to Joseph, and to some shepherds with one message. Do not be afraid. This Christmas I bring you the same message. Fear not. I too bring you good news of great joy. A Savior was born. He is Christ the Lord. He loves us and has freed us from our sins by His blood. He came to cast out our fear of the day of judgment and to live in the present moment, today, tomorrow, without fear. Let's pray. Our blessed God, you remembered your covenant. You redeemed your people and sent your Holy Son, Jesus. We pray you save us from our enemies. Free us from our sin. And by your Spirit, we may serve you in perfected love. Without fear, whether it be clear and present or future and unknown. That we may walk before you in holiness and righteousness just as our Lord Jesus did, who now reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, eternal and almighty, forever and ever. Amen.